and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show. I'm Andrew Slavin. The international break is over. Stunning goals, controversial decisions, the Premiership was back with a bang this weekend. Hearts and Holt are the 100 percenters. It was flawless from Lawless, marvellous from Mallon, but a mayor for Miller. And Ferdinand joins Gerard in Scotland. In the Championship, we'll be getting the gossip from Greenock, where Morton have just appointed Jonathan Johansson. We've got our own JJ in the podcast. JJ Bull from The Telegraph is alongside me. And you had an international break yourself, didn't you, pal? Yes, I went on holiday to a foreign country. Oh, my God! I know, I was doing scouting for football. Where did, I wasn't. You, oh, where did you go, though? In Croatia. I did the same trip that everyone seems to be doing, because I am cool. And I avoided all the partying. Where did you go in Croatia? Sorry, Croatia. Uh, I, I don't think anyone needs to know this, but I went to Split and then Havar and then uh, Dubrovnik, which is very expensive. It looks nice, <laughs> but it's very expensive. Our other guest in the studio this week from Copa 90, it's Laura Brannan. Laura, you describe yourself on Twitter as a proud and tortured member of the Tartan Army. There was pride and there was torture for Scotland during the international break, though, wasn't there? There was a bit of everything, wasn't there? All mixed <laughs> in. This is when I come to my to the front here. It's uh, it's all about international football for me. So mm. when everyone else gets their their team playing week in week out, I'm sitting back waiting patiently for the five token games I get in the course of a calendar year. And of course, I took the week off, went back home, and got to the games at Hamden. How, how was it? How were the games? Well, we can kind of bypass the Belgium game, can't we? And <laughs> <laughs> not talk about all those goals. But but what about what <laughs> about the Scotland players did anyway? I'm, I'm interested because I wasn't there, but I'm. Interested in the atmosphere? Damn it. Well, I mean, it's Hamden for a start, so we know it's never going to be good. And you're playing one of the biggest teams in the world, and you're also losing two, three, four goals. And when the floodgates open, that's it. You just know no one's there for a good time that night. Albania, though, I need to give it credit. People completely slated the fact that there was only a crowd of 17,500 there, but the atmosphere it was actually quite good. Stephen Scotland got going in the second half. We got the goals. We knew it was what was going to happen for us. Around the section I was in, which is the kind of side to the nor- of the north stand, and it's kind of where the mm-hmm. diehards kind of go. Mm-hmm. It was everyone was in high spirits, and it felt a bit like everyone was just desperate to get back to those times again. We're competitive football. We're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're back on course. <laughs> Let's just enjoy the night. And it was absolutely pelting down as well. So yeah. to, to just kind of make the most of it, you you spent that money. You're in a crap stadium, but we're getting three points. So let's make the most of it. Well, are you are you happy then that the decision has been made to stay at Hamden? This- yeah, uh, yeah. I'm I've, I'm a very kind of staunch follower. I loudly support the the case to stay at Hamden. That's something I've never been a kind of keeping a secret from anyone. <laughs> so the news of keeping it there that's huge. I think in terms of sentimental value, but also just the case of Scottish football having a home and the home being for football and not sharing it with rugby. JJ, do you agree? No. (laughs) (laughs) Come on then. (laughs) I think it's nice to have these games. So you've described it as like a crap stadium, right? I agree. It's not that good. (laughs) They need to change it up. I thought we were talking before we started recording this that they should change it up and have the stands closer because that track around it Mm. is not conducive to an entertaining time. But... um, when you have these smaller games, I think they should move the the Scotland games around the country because football isn't only in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. I know to many people who are from Glasgow listening to this, you, this might be the first time you've ever heard this <laughs> this <laughs> idea. But uh, there are other um, places within the country that um, people identify with as being their part of Scotland. And I think holding it at places like Easter Road or Pataudry or, I don't know, any, any place, you know, McDermott Park, anywhere, 
makes it a bit different because you get those more localised voices rather than forcing everyone to go to Glasgow every time. So this wee boy that's grown up dreaming of playing for his national team, does he he dream of running out at Pataudry one week and then Easter Road the next? He dreams of playing on the hand and pitch. He dreams of playing for Scotland, doesn't matter where, really. But, but there's a special element to having your own home dressing room and walking out of your home tunnel. I think the key here is for Scotland to have the best atmosphere and the best possible chance of striking fear into the opposition so that the fans are that 12th man. In goes Piezu, caution's in trouble, and Stephen Naismith will score. We might have been a bit sniffy about their chances before a ball was kicked this season, but Hearts fans, you can give me five. And that's five wins out of five, five points clear at the top of the Scottish Premiership. And do you know what? There's five Premiership goals this season for Stephen Naismith. His strike away at Motherwell, enough to secure yet another victory. Could it happen? Can Hearts really challenge for the title? We're joined now by Anthony Brown from the Edinburgh Evening News. What's the mood like, Anthony, in Edinburgh um, right now? And are there more Hearts shirts on display than there used to be? I think there certainly are. At the moment, I was at my boys' football on Saturday morning and I noticed there were a lot of Hearts, hearts strips out uh, compared to maybe in previous seasons. There's certainly a buzz about the sort of Hearts support at the moment, given the sort of the way the last two seasons have gone. I don't think anybody could have predicted this scenario especially when you consider they finished six. It was only four months ago that season finished under a bit of a cloud. They didn't win many games towards the end of last season. It had the feel of big changes are required here. And to be honest, even though big changes were required, I think a lot of people were sort of sceptical about the number of new players being brought in. Maybe not many of them beyond Stephen Naismith and Dimitri Mitchell were well known in Edinburgh. A bit of scepticism about how quickly they could gel. But certainly defied any doubts over the past two, three months with the way they've gone about their business. They look the real deal. It's a pretty special season for Hearts. What, what, what do you think the, the key to that then is? Is it just a bit of luck or is, 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 have you noticed anything that, that stands out for you? I think Craig Levine's the big factor, isn't he? I mean, obviously he was the manager last year, but he didn't have a pre season. He and Castro took the team for pre season. It's well documented that. Craig Levine didn't think the team were as fit as they could have been last season. He wanted to do things slightly differently. He sort of muddled through in difficult circumstances with a squad that, although he was director of football, it wasn't necessarily his type of players last year. Uh, They obviously had issues with Tyne Castle taking forever to be redeveloped. And then they just never really got any momentum last year. They never really had a settled side. They had a lot of injuries. And obviously Craig's just looked out and thought, I need to really go for it this summer to try and get us back on track here. He's... He's recruited really well, definitely has echoes of sort of 2005 when Hearts basically built a whole new team from scratch under George Burley and Vladimir Romanov and got off to a similar start. The fundamental thing is Craig Levine knows what he's doing. He knows how to put a squad together that's equipped to do well in the Premiership. And, but I think he'll, even he'll have been surprised with how well things have gone so far. Well, that's it, because, I mean, traditionally, Levine's been quite defensive and last season Hearts were very, uh, well, they were very defensive in the way they set up for most games. Can you see a difference in the style of play he's brought to them this season? They seem to be more attacking, there's far more pace and a bit more creativity from what I've seen. Yeah, I mean, well, I think fundamentally it's just down to the fact he's got more energetic players in the squad that are able to run, that are able to attack, that he's got the sort of players, the sort of options he's been crying out for. Last year he didn't have those options, he was putting square pegs in round holes, trying to muddle through, as I say, as best as he can, just to try and keep parts 
semi-competitive in the league and make them hard to beat again after having gone through that period under Ian Castle where everybody was beating them. So I think he was just being a pragmatist last year, trying to steady the ship, if you like. And this year he's had the chance to bring in his own type of players. So I think it's a bit of a myth that Levine's a defensive coach. A lot of that's come from the 4 6 0 stuff with Scotland. When you look at my hearts, he's always attacked in home games in particular. Yes, he has that wee bit about him where he's maybe slightly overcautious in away matches. And, but fundamentally, he's a guy that just wants his teams to play aggressively, to press, to be winning all your 50 50s, the basics of Scottish football, if you like. And he's got players that can do that now. It's all sort of been a perfect storm, if you like, with Celtic getting off to a slow start. The likes of Hibs, Aberdeen maybe not starting as fast as they did last year. Even Rangers have improved, but they've dropped a few points and it's all just come together nicely for Hearts. Hearts look capable. They've got this depth of squad where they could really push into the sort of new year, if you like. And who knows, if they're up there in March, who knows what could happen. What amazes me is the amount of knocks Hearts have actually had this season. So you, you take knocks as mean like digs from people. No, 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 no. I think I think you know things that maybe some teams would probably struggle. So you've got your manager who gets hospitalised. Yes, you difficult. know you're waiting for a reaction off of that. You lose your top goal scorer from last season, Kyle Lafferty, to one of your rivals, and then you, on top of that, you lose your captain, Christoph Berra. I mean, this is this is a really fantastic story for Hearts. Yeah, and signing eighteen players is insane business mm-hmm. trying to turn a team out of that trying to get a squad together united out 18 players they've signed I mean I, I don't think I can think of another club that's done that and had any success yeah, I mean, ever I, I, I'm not I'm not really buying this whole comparison to 2005-06 when George Burley was here. Oh, it's, it's so. It's, so it's a name only. It's not the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's so. it's a it's a nonsense. I mean, it's there's a long way to go, and I know Hearts fans are are well aware of that, and they should just enjoy this moment as well. And who knows? Who actually knows? How class would that be? Hey, they look genuinely. <laughs> they're they're good. Mm-hmm. They have good players, and uh, especially the way they create um, chances is solid. They they do create chances. They look good defensively. John Suter. He's just stepped up another level and yep. now he looks... I mean, he's more than taken on Christoph Berra's... I mean, how, how good was bits. he for Scotland, Laura, for instance? Oh, yeah, he was, he was magnificent. And it's nice to actually see you've got like a, a proper defender now that we can turn to. And yeah. with Berra being out as well, with him getting written off out of the Nations League campaign, mm-hmm. it's so nice to be able to turn to mm-hmm. John Suter. But but Hearts have that back, but that, that spine that everyone loves. You know, you've got John Suter and then you've got this really interesting story of Peter Haring coming in from nowhere and being a really... You know, signed as a centre half and yeah. now being used as a, a centre mid or attacking mid, and then you've got the likes of Ike Piazu and and Stephen Naismith to just be that kind of creative midfielder for everything. For Mitch, Mitchell was good in the weekend. Mm. So. Yeah. See, see, this is when they're going through a problem. They've they're going they've got problems getting thrown at them. They're still not an established side based on the, the signings they've got in this season. Exactly, it's not if settled this, yet. Even if this is their difficult phase, what are they going to be like when things actually settle down for them? So, in that sense, I don't think we can write them off. And it's a sort of typical Scottish mentality where you just go, yeah, yeah, sure, they're going to challenge, haha. But why not? If if they're doing well. Just go with the flow. Nobody wins a league in October. So let's just enjoy this. Enjoy having a team doing well that's a wee bit different from normal and just see where it takes us. Well, you work for Motherwell. Did you enjoy <laughs> the other day? I use, I use the term work loosely. <laughs> I, I help them out at weekends whenever I'm back home. Yeah. Uh, I do some filming for them uh, on match days. And yeah, from that perspective, Saturday wasn't, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> wasn't the most ideal for them. But I mean, I'm... And they're purely just to film. 
for my own benefit and for theirs. I get a bit of experience out of it. They mm-hmm. get to make the most of having an, an alternative angle, which they can put out in a, a new highlights feature they do called Story of the Match. So that's good. And it also means I get to see a bit more Scottish football when I go home every nice. so often. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a lot more Motherwell than yeah. anyone else. Well, well, what's what's the mood like then at Motherwell at the moment? You know, it's not been a, a barnstorming start. There was obviously that good good result against Rangers, a cracking game that was. But elsewhere, you know, what's what's the feeling? No, I mean, it's the, I mean, obviously, I'm only in on the odd match day, so I'm not there Monday to Friday to see that the players are like in the spirit behind the scenes. But from what I hear and the sense that I get, it's all very much upbeat. Everyone's still playing very much as a unit. They're very hardworking boys mm-hmm. at, that, at that club. And yeah, there's a spirit throughout the whole squad. You see that from what the media team put out right through to when you're in amongst behind the scenes. You do see that. And yeah, okay, so they lost to to Hearts at the weekend. But there's no shame in losing to league leaders. And yeah, you're saying the the Rangers game, the atmosphere was great. I was up Mm, for that one. Um, And the the mood around the place, everyone was just absolutely buzzing. And I know it's a total cliche to see that, but it was. It was like there was an electric atmosphere afterwards. And it's nice to just see the team's taking points off the bigger sides when they're not expecting it last minute drama and stuff so yeah all around the club there's still a really good atmosphere even if the points aren't quite on the board yet mm-hmm. they played at times they played some really nice football as well they're kind of hot and cold from what I've seen this season um, I don't know how you thought the Hearts game went but it was tight right because there's only oh, one yeah. goal in it and which came from a sort of contentious issue what do you think as a slightly Motherwell-sided uh, person <laughs> of the um, Ikpiazu versus Motherwell goalkeeper instant. Well, I mean, you look at it, it's on first sighting, it's a 50 50. Everyone has admitted, even the Motherwell managers came yeah. out and admitted that it's only when you see it on a replay, yes, it's a foul. It's, it's mm-hmm. also unfortunate. Ah, in slow motion, yes, yeah. when you see it in great detail, you see what's happened. But it's one of these incidents that you can't blame the referee for this one. It's on first viewing, it is so genuine to say, no, that's not a foul. So, no, I, it's one of these unfortunate instances that has then led to what happened to be the winning goal. Also, the, the goalie is properly trying to boot his... Like, the keeper's taking no prisoners. He's going straight through with a, like a punt goal kick and it piazza has gone in. I, I, yeah, I think you're to right. Be fair, I think it was that Levine said that um, it would be Pop saying, well, Motherwell should be more annoyed at their keeper. Yes. I don't think that's actually fair. I think... In anything, the keeper didn't do anything wrong in that sense. It's Carl McHugh should be criticised for the pass back. Oh, of course, yeah. He put yeah. his goalkeeper under pressure when it was completely unnecessary. So the whole kind of series of events has just been very unfortunate from Motherwell's mm-hmm. perspective. So hopefully Carson's not out for too long and it doesn't have long-lasting effects. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Hibs 3, Kilmarnock 2, the most entertaining game of the weekend. Neil Lennon's Hibs upholding their reputation as the entertainers. I said that, that was me. Some wonderful goals in the game and what a free kick from Stevie Mallon. He hit it rather well, didn't he? He does it all the time. Hooked it top corner. Yeah. This game is ace to watch, by the way. Oh, so good. So good. Again, Hibs is very good going forward. Um, I like that Killy stuck with the two up front, um, Brophy and Stuart. and Stuart. Stuart, who suddenly is exactly the kind of player that Derek McInnes must have thought he'd signed on loan mm-hmm. when he got him. Phenomenal finish, that left-footed shot, top corner. What oh, a pinger. First touch. Oh, yeah. for, oh that was amazing. Well, it seems <laughs> I like love a first touch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're trying to outdo themselves, aren't they? Or, or, or each other, sorry. That's what it's always like when Hibs are playing, and it feels great, because it feels like they leak at either end, they score it. And it's, it's how many goals are we going to get here? This is a team I want to watch, mm-hmm. because I know I'm going to get to see a lot of action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like watching Hibs. If they're, if they're on, I want to watch them. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. It, 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 the goals, the calibre of the goals were just fantastic. David well, Gray's hit. Yeah. Yeah. Just a piece. 
Oh, come on, no, but you've got to fit the oh, finish. I the like fin- a good header as well. I'm talking oh, about the finish. Well. David Gray. He was out with injury for a wee while, wasn't he? Yeah, I like David Gray. Bullet header. The Wolf, um, a.k.a. Eamon Brophy. And we know why he's called the Wolf now. We do know. Thanks. If you don't know why he's called the Wolf, you can rewind to our last episode where I revealed that. Yep. I still love it. And he scored. <laughs> also, um, so again... I mean, the, the game was great. Kelly did really well to stay in it. They played, um, they were good in the first half. They were poor in the second half. Stephen Clark, spelt PH, by the way, mm-hmm. came out and said pretty much himself and then referenced, of course, more refereeing shenanigans. Mm-hmm. The refereeing is substandard. It's unacceptable. Misery. It's actually unacceptable, do you know, and it's, it ruins the game. And um, so we're referencing these two things at the end. Hibs get their penalty. I can see where that's a penalty. Yes. Kirk Broadfoot slides in and then he, he kicks a leg, goes down under the challenge and it's a penalty, says the referee. However, you watch it back with VAR, it's not a penalty. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's another one of those where you can excuse the referee a little bit or you can at least sympathise with the referee uh, because in yep. real time, it's, it's really difficult. And to do you know what? 20 years ago before they had iPads or 40 years ago before they had TVs or any sort of way where you could rewind and watch instance in real time quickly to get that decision right, you could say, well, that's fine. No, it's just it's a refereeing mistake and it might balance out, but it's not acceptable. And then at the other end, right? Mm-hmm. Go on. That's a penalty. Mm-hmm. So Ambrose goes in at like face height, <laughs> takes the guy's leg, uh, Broadfoot again, who goes down. Was, I don't know yeah. why Broadfoot's clutching his face. Yeah, that's the, the that. Thing, yeah, Go Broadfoot on. makes a meal of both, <laughs> and it, it's almost as if the ref's went, oh, "Not you again. You're not getting <laughs> that, it." Right? That, that, so, that, that, but so, then the referee's not going to yeah, the actual instant. Exactly. Is he? So the first one where he gives away the penalty, which wasn't a penalty, but then he goes, "Oh crap! Right, I'm going to fall over here and look at make it look as though it's equal, and we've both been fouled." So he falls over, and you're like, "Why are you falling over?" But that's the, but then that's that's for the the fan and supporter to say. If you're the referee, you go, "He's still contact. It's still a foul. You can't get taken away by the guy holding his face." Sure enough, it's a, a the move of a neep holding your your face in your hands, going down howling. And I don't know whether he's just he's he's already predicting that the outcome's not going to go his way, mm-hmm. so he's gone down. And yes, it's dramatic. But the referees, the thing I keep seeing with referees in Scotland is they're giving the, what they predict the outcome of that should be rather than what it actually is it looks like it's not a foul because he's gone down holding his face but it is clearly a foul and a penalty Rangers got back to winning ways as they bounced back from Derby defeat with a 4-0 win over Dundee more on Rangers in a moment but as for Dundee oh man Grant Hill from Nutmeg Magazine joins us now. Grant, you're a Dundee fan. Neil McCann, the manager, going back to Ibrox. It's five defeats out of five. The bottom of the table. You know, judging what you've been saying on Twitter, you're struggling for reasons to stick with McCann, aren't you? Um, yeah, I mean, it's actually six defeats in the bounce when you consider the um, Air United uh, winning the League Cup as well. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty grim, to, to say the least. I think there's a lot of people are actually surprised McCann's still in a job now, um, given the fact that Livingston and St Mirren have already moved. I think there's often a bit of reluctance from directors. They don't want to be the first um, sacking club of the season. Uh, but given the, how bad the, the start of the season's been um, and the fact that that pressure's almost been taken off a bit, um, I, th- I think there is a bit of surprise that he's still in a job. 
So Dundee are at home to Hibs next Saturday, which is probably a, a huge game for McCann. But will he still be in charge for that game, do you reckon? I think when it's not happened by Monday, mm-hmm. um, I think he will be. Well, I mean, St Mirren fired Stubbs last, well, two weeks ago, wasn't it, on the Monday, just late on. What do you think it is that, that McCann's failing at just now? Do you think, I mean, is it defensive solidity? Is it not being able to create chances, the players he's brought in? What's, what's not happening for him? Well, I mean, we finished last season with ninth, which was a, a place above where we'd finished the year before, and we'd got around further in each cup. So you could take, come the end of the season, yeah, he deserves, deserves a chance to take it on to see if that progress has continued. But what he's not done is really addressed the, the problems that were there for everyone to see last year, which is that we, for, the biggest problem is we can't put the ball in the net. And... That's just made ten times worse by by our defending, which is just when we we had Jack Henry, it was okay. He left, we brought in Stephen Cocker, and he he was a huge part of us staying up last year. We've lost him now as well, and we've, we're just we're really struggling back there. I think the thing that if you speak to ninety percent of Dundee fans, what annoys them about McCann is his absolute insistence, his dogmatism about playing out from the back when we clearly don't have the players to do it. When you saw what happened to Scotland last week and they were trying to do it against Belgium, um, that that's often what happens with Dundee. Um, it gets the fans restless. The players aren't comfortable playing that way, as one of our ex-players said in a recent newspaper interview. It just starts off a lot of the problems from there. I think he could help himself a lot if he just became a bit more pragmatic about these things. Grant, before you go, um, just want to talk about a story that you wrote um, that people might have read over the weekend um, from Nutmeg. Yeah, it's a really good it's story about the Dundee fan who Gale, skipped, yeah, who skipped his own stag do to play for the club. Can you just give us a breakdown of that story? It was really interesting. Yeah, basically, Craig Robertson, um, who's a guy I've known for a lot of years, um, is a Dundee fanatic. He was also a, a really talented junior player, played for Loch United for years when they were winning the East Super League and getting to the Scottish Cup final, things like that. Um, when we were in administration the second time, because being Dundee, you've always got to make it clear which, which period you're referring to, he had his testimonial against the club and gave up all the money for it to help the fighting fund. And as a result of that game, he kind of came to the attention of Barry Smith. And because we were so desperate for numbers that year, we were exploiting um, loopholes that allowed you to play trialists for um, up to three games. So Craig was just sitting in his office um, one day, he's an accountant, and he got a call from his manager, Paul Ritchie, who just basically said to him, you're, you're going to be playing for Dundee tomorrow night if you want it. And uh, yeah, he played the three games, which is and it's just a fantastic story. And he's such a nice, humble guy as well. Um, nobody deserved it more than him. Grant, if you get a call from Neil McCann tonight <laughs> asking you to go up front for Dundee, are you taking it? I, I, I think if he's heard what I said earlier on, it's probably unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> Dundee were mince, we know that, but I think we <laughs> suspected Rangers should have won by the scoreline that yeah, they did. I mean, Gerard was saying that he wants them to be more, um, not clinical, but more ruthless and get that killer instinct which they need if they're going to go to the next level. Um, I think he's dead right. They sort of let it off a bit. There was a, a, another huge refereeing decision, not huge, well, in context of it because they won 4 0, mm-hmm. but Morelos' goal was clearly onside. Yeah, the linesman's wrong again. Yeah, I'm getting yeah. really wound up with the referees. I think we'll cover this even a bit more soon. But clearly, clearly onside. So yeah. it's a goal. Yeah, yeah it should have. St- well done, refs. You've done yeah, it again. I know. Um, there was a bit. 
There's a bit of defending, but I think it was I think it was for Rangers fourth. <laughs> oh yes, it's class. Yeah, reminds, uh, so Kasunga's on as a substitute, and he's defending the near post from across, and but he tries to control it with his chest while he's falling over. Yeah, it's and like he a, passes it to him. It's like a seal. He's trying to move forward. He just needs to it's put a, his laces through it. Uh, it's the stupidest bit of defending I've ever seen since the last Dundee game. <laughs> When there were similar things going on, it's just people being in the wrong positions and falling over, and mm. no one knows. It's like they've <laughs> gone in the circus and gone like, "Guys, you've got a game on Saturday." Well, I think that reflects on um, what Grant was saying earlier, just defensively. They don't look it's inspired. Just a nonsense. In my notes, I've written down the Dundee keeper is absolutely useless. Uh, that's all I've got for him. Um, <laughs> I also think um, a, so Dundee have appealed this red card for Kenny Miller. I mean, do we all agree it's definently a red, right? It's 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 one hundred percent a red card. Kenny Miller's quite um, devoted to keeping up with the banter yours, isn't he? <laughs> it's, it's been quite a staunch effort from him so far. His season has been incredible. We're only a few weeks into it, and he is providing all the entertainment. He's already been fired and sent off. Yeah, no, he's he's been a manager player, sacked as a manager player, now a player, and they're getting red cards. Well, I mean, what must we can doing? So he signs a striker to try and help him get these goals. And what's, what's he thinking? And he's going, he's sent off now, and now he's like this. Oh. I, I don't know why they have appealed it because there is no way that that is going to be repealed. Uh, unless unless the SFA's um, panel decide, oh, we've got so much flack right now, we better just let one go. But I feel like, <laughs> right place at the right time. I mean, the rumour, of course, is that, oh, Kenny Miller, ex manager, has come in to, you know, take on yeah. Dundee. Uh, ticking time clock for a uh, time clock the hell's that he's coming in for Dundee to, to like the sword of Damocles above uh, McCann's head nice I know nice. I know that one and um, there's a next international break is in a month is it what's the thing it's, there's three games I think left before the next international break so they could is. well be if you look at the fixtures as well for Dundee I would actually argue they've had an easier start to the season in terms of fixtures than they have coming up now until the next break so they started off with St Mirren yeah. in the first game. Now they should be beating the newly promoted side. Yeah. But it's a blank mm-hmm. canvas. Mm-hmm. They've went on. They played. Uh, St, they played St Johnson. They played Motherwell. And okay, on hindsight, Aberdeen with the form they're on just now. These are all winnable games on mm-hmm. paper. Mm-hmm. But now they're going to take on Hibs. Yeah. They've got Ackies, which is going to be a bot like uh, down that end of the table. Mm-hmm. I think that's his like last already. chance. And then Kelly as well. Hibs and Kelly are two huge games that they probably will not win I can't see him get any points out of that I no. totally agree and then because it means Dundee must be shopping around a little bit thinking what they've got they've got Miller on a big contract it's a couple of years he's got I think I mean he's old two years yeah I don't even mean to him but you know as a player so I, I wonder well let's let's. I mean we've absolutely picked Dundee to pieces um, just like Rangers hey we shouldn't forget that Rangers are in European action on Thursday. They've got Villarreal in the Europa League on Thursday. Um, they've got Santi Cazorla come up against them. Carlos Baca. Oh, the lads. It's going to be a tough <laughs> one for them, isn't it? But oh, even, the even you know, before you even go into, oh, is it going to be a tough one? What's the result going to be? Just to be there for them this season is so huge. Yeah, OK, so it's a difficult start to the season so far, but... It's quite incredible when you think, okay, they're dropping points. But on the other hand, the spirits are so high. Mm -hmm. The fans are so happy right now. You would be fooled. If you talk to Rangers fans right now, you'd be fooled into thinking they're top of the league. 
because everything is quite rosy with Steve and Jared coming in. They're in Europe again. Everyone's quite content. It's calm. It's stable. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? We're not I, used to this. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I think I think you guys need to calm down. Um, right. Listen, ultimately, I don't think Villarreal are having a very good time at the moment. I'm not no, 100% only, certain. They won at the weekend, but yeah. that was our first one since I think the start of the season. I think it would have been better for Rangers to have their first game in Europe at home I think that's going to be really tough gap in talent I think oh man I mean, Spanish teams I mean it's very cliche but they all can pass that ball and move and positioning's all just very difficult to, to deal with I've been really impressed with how Rangers have, have adapted to European football this season like very organised shape's been good like things that Gerard has been saying you know they've mm. they defended well and they've taken their time to attack and they're good in transition bit of bit of speed there mm-hmm, to go mm-hmm, with it mm-hmm. I think Villarreal will just be a step above I remember when Aberdeen were in Europa I mean it's not the same team because Rangers are a better team um, but when Aberdeen were playing on the qualifiers and they played Real Sociedad oh, a few years ago two, three, four mm. years ago they were just, just just a class above just couldn't get near do you know and it's just that difference in quality will really tell but if they can get a nil-nil out of it that's great a one-nil loss two-nil it's fine you cannot judge Rangers on Thursday no. in Europe it, you just it, like you said earlier blank canvas I think it'll be, a, it'll be very much the way they approach the Celtic game there'll be a low block keep it tight just try and stay in the game and grab something in the last 10 minutes looking for Gallagher at the back post it's bouncing kindly for Stephen Wallace it's stunning it's brilliant from Stephen Wallace it was a pretty dreadful day to be Kenny Miller after the full-time whistle blew at Ibrooks, he was contemplating a defeat and a red card against his old club. He probably then got his phone out and saw that Livingston had secured their third win in three Premiership games since ditching him as their manager. Livingston won, Hamilton nil, and maintaining their 100% record under Gary Holt, guys. What a result for Gary Holt. Fantastic. Also, in my notes, I've just written, what a swear word hit. <laughs> That's that lawless oh, yeah. goal on his Man, left foot. So good. The technique is phenomenal. Do you know what? You can you can show me all the good free kicks that we got this weekend, but nothing compares to a hit like Stephen Lawless. It's awesome, one touch. It? Yeah, yeah. They, they they don't come close. It's, to something it's, like that. it's one where it's one when you when you hit it, almost like a golf swing. It doesn't hurt you. Sweet. It stays hit. If anything, Clive, he's hit it too well. <laughs> yes. It's lovely though. Um again, another solid performance by Livy against what probably would have been a relegation rival at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. We're still at the start of the season, but Livy are third and good for it. What is this right? their best start to a season a premiership yeah, well, season since the year they finished third? Well it's been seventeen years since they won three in a row. At this level. So yeah, they've not started as well in the top flight since the year they finished third. Mm. And with that squad, it was such a, a cosmopolitan group of guys they had together. They were throwing money at it. Whereas this year, it's completely different. Mm-hmm. You've got mm-hmm. a whole Scottish side there. And then you just think, well, what, what's possible? Well, it's, 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 they, they, they are structurally really well put together. I think that's something that, that Livingston have always kind of had. They've just not had any confidence in their shape. It was last season they were playing that same shape. It was a 3-5, you know, it's, it's yeah. essentially a 5 at the back at times, which yeah. is in a 3 in, in attacking phases. But yeah, Holtz let them do what they were doing well last season, which is what Miller was not doing when mm-hmm. he's in charge. Mm-hmm. And they've got a real bite and drive in midfield to win second balls. They're playing nice passing football for a lot of the time. But they revert to direct passing. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's expected of a team who's just come up trying to win the second balls. It's not looking great for Hamilton, though, is it? Is I think it, they're okay. Like we said, they, I mean, they're going to be all right 
Canning's got it. But I mean, you, 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 but if you compare that to Dundee, you know, okay, Hamilton have lost four out of the last five. Dundee have lost five out of the five. They're not. There's not that much difference. Hamilton had a tough run, though, haven't they? They've, I'm trying to think because they played. This feels like a, a conversation we have all the time. It's Hamilton. Oh, they're not doing very well, are they? Mm. Are they going to be struggling this season? Ah, oh, yeah, oh, but, but they'll be okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. They'll, they'll survive. It's fine. Nothing's <laughs> changed. I know they're just they're just there. Yeah, I'm, just try, I'm just trying to pick something it's out like really to, good about Hamilton. It's like you go to someone's house, right? Someone's always got a butternut squash there. You're like, why do you have that? I don't know. I bought it one day, and it's just there, and it's always in your house. No one ever knows what to do with it. I mean, I do now. It's time to look around the grounds now. It's our man Craig Anderson with the headlines from the Championship, League One and Two. Inverness Caledonian Thistle are top of the Championship after a week's break from the bread and butter affair of league football as they claimed the points in a 3-2 battle against Partick Thistle. Jordan White, Sean Rooney and Sean Welsh from the penalty spot had John Robertson's side three up and easy by half-time, despite Miles Storey seeing his spot kick saved by home goalie Mark Ridgers. Alan Archibald saw his side get a couple back in the final stages as Blair Spittle netted with eight minutes to go and Chris Dillon closing the gap to one in injury time, but it wasn't enough as time ran out. The only other team to claim a victory in the Championship on Saturday was Air United, who came from 2-0 down to claim a good win at home over bottom of the table Falkirk. Ray McKinnon's side were two up by the breakthrough Zach Rudden and Demantis Petrovicius, and the Bairns, with no league points prior to this one, were hoping this was their day. Sadly not, as the honest men hit back through Lauren Shanklin with his 13th of the season and Addy Gegan to equalise, but a bizarre own goal swung at Ayr's way as a corner kick scramble saw the ball come off the back of Falkirk keeper Leo Fazan as he lay on the ground and it trundled into the net, securing a 3-2 win for Air United. Proof that when you're in Falkirk's position, football really does have a strange way of kicking you when you're down. So with no Stephen Doby goals for Queen of the South to report on, we move straight into League One, where Bobby Lynn's hat-trick saw our both claim a 3-1 home win over 4th Athletic. Lynn's first was cancelled out by Ross Cunningham in the stroke of half-time, but two more from the Gable Endies hitman claimed the win as Dick Campbell's men moved two points ahead of Wraith Rovers, who drew 1-1 at Brecon. Rory Curry's winner two minutes from time saw his five take a 2-1 win over Airdrieonians as they improved their league standing. Cammy Russell's opening goal for the Diamonds on 74 minutes gave them the edge, but the Fifers hit back almost immediately through Liam Watt before Curry saved his heroics for the end. Edinburgh City remain top of League 2 as they picked up their latest win in a 2-1 success over Annan Athletic at Ainsley Park. Blair Henderson was on target twice to give themselves a chance of claiming a fifth league win out of six, and although Ryan Cinnamon struck with seven minutes to go, City held on for the points again. And it was also a great weekend for Elgin City fans who made the 239-mile trip to Berwick Rangers and came away with a 3-0 win that takes them to fifth in the table. A Jordan Oru on goal and two from Greg Morrison made it a great day for the City fans as they celebrated their third win in their previous four against the Wee Jairs. Jonathan Johansson was seconds away from a victory in his first match in charge of Greenock Morton, but his hopes were dashed by Dundee United and a last-minute equaliser at Tannadice in the Championship. The last few weeks have been turmoil for the ton, and Adam Thomas from the Greenock Telegraph joins us now. Adam, Ray McKinnon was appointed manager in the summer. Morton took seven points from a possible nine at the start of the season, and everything was rosy. What's happened now? Well, it was, it was, as you said, it was all going well. They'd beaten Ross County just on the Saturday prior. Things were looking good. And in the space of a week, it's just well, got thrown into turmoil. A bit of a crazy day that Friday. Um, he's taking training as normal with everyone else at Park Lee. Finishes about one o'clock. And then 
sort of about three o'clock, the story sort of breaks that he's off to Falkirk. Um, can't say I saw it happening. Don't think any of the players or the staff thought it was happening either. Um, yeah, it's just a confu- it was really confusing at the time, but as they say, it's how football works sometimes. Is it true that, that um, the chairman, Crawford Ray, is, is actually considering legal action? He said that McKinnon left prematurely, but is he actually going to take out legal action on him? Yeah, well, the the thing is, while they gave permission for, for Ray to speak to Falkirk, um, that is it, basically. They said, um, we're, we're looking for a six-figure sum if you do want to take him off our hands and... As far as I'm aware, I don't think they've received any money and they rejected their resignations as well. So signing for Falkirk is a breach of contract. So I'm not the biggest on the, the legal matters, but I, I think that's sort of ongoing. Sometimes when managers leave and things, they say they go call the team in and say, oh, look, we're doing this um, or we're about to get sacked or something like that. Then there's quite a few players still haven't heard from him at all. So um why do you think you left? Is it money, ambitions? Is there more to do at it, Falkirk? What is, what's the pool? He's from Dundee. He was staying in Glasgow while he was down there, so I don't know whether being at Falkirk is a shorter commute. Don't know whether things have happened behind the scenes at all. Yeah, I think Ray is the only one that's sort of able to, to answer that one properly. So, so is this is this why um, the Greenock Telegraph, in response to this whole debacle, put a picture of... Ray McKinnon as Judas on the back page. Can you just yeah. explain the decision for that and and what were what were people's reaction in Greenock? Well, first of all, I think the biggest thing to take into account is just the way that sort of the events unfolded and the manner of, with everything that happened. Nobody had a clue this was happening, and I think quite a lot of people felt that he'd gone behind everyone's backs to do this. Um, for all intents and purposes, Morton are sort of on a high from last season and have started the season really well under him, brought back old players from the club and things that used to play like Chris Miller, um, Jim McAllister. So for someone to sort of jump ship so quickly, we captured sort of the the fans' feeling with that back page. I think a lot of fans were upset at the time and still are at the manner of his departure and for a club that doesn't seem to have too much more than Morton in terms of resources and things, like they don't have a, an academy structure. The Fourth Valley Academy got disbanded last season. That's something else that Morton would have over them. But it was just bizarre and not met with much uh, positivity from Greenock fans at all. What about um, the new man, Jonathan Johansson? So he's uh, he was Morton reserve manager six years ago and an assistant to Rangers last season. What do you make of him being there? Are the fans happy with him? Yeah, I think they're quite happy seeing it as a like a forward-thinking appointment. Um, it's one where he's got a lot of experience, but I think again you have to be patient with him because it is his only his only his first managerial job. He's been an assistant for Rangers and for Finland, and been a manager of the under twenties for Motherwell. So um, there's quite a lot of I'd say cautious optimism, I guess that. And he has all the sort of ingredients to do well. Whether he does well remains to be seen, but he set up his team pretty well on the Saturday. They look very well organised for a team that he's only had five days under him. Um, he still hasn't got an assistant or coaching staff yet, and I'm sure it's only upwards from there. 
if this story keeps going on and maybe the next time Ray McKinnon comes back to Green Martin, we can have you back on. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you. Well, I'd actually like to add, we might actually be doing, we're considering doing uh, Judas Masks for hey. the game against Falkirk on October 20th. <laughs> Send us some. <laughs> Post some down. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get a couple for you, don't worry. That goes ahead. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Slayon again. That is an absolute beauty. Quite a way to open your account for the season. And a deserved equaliser for Aberdeen. St Johnston 1, Aberdeen 1. A stunning free kick from Niall again securing a point for the Dons, but just one win in five for Aberdeen in the league this season. The only team they've beaten is Dundee, JJ. Yes, um, I have concerns over how Aberdeen are playing this season. Go on. Whereas in the last couple of seasons, I've suspected that chance creation isn't really fantastic. They're not making a huge amount of goals. They're just scoring round probably just about over what their XG would be. I need mm-hmm. to look at this. I've not seen it. But I always wondered whether they're performing a little bit above what they actually should be. And I think they're down maybe at the level that they are at now. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm really clutching at language today. <laughs> but um, they didn't really create an awful lot. They had more of the ball, but mostly they didn't create enough. The goal was a free kick. The goal to Johnson scored. Yeah. This is the thing. that So there's so many things that are frustrating about watching Aberdeen play. They marked that corner. They were man marking for it. Yeah. And normally it's a bit of a mix, so that you know zonal and man marking. But if they had that zonal or even a mix, there'd be a man on the corner of the six yard box who'd have headed that the first ball. Yeah. Head it away. Yeah. Gone. Instead, Shea Logan gets beaten to it. Yeah, and it was uh, McMillan, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, just kind of a put a header in the near post. Yeah. Yeah. That is, you always have a man in that six yard box. Why is it not there? The goal goes in, game changes, Johnson can sit back and then Aberdeen have to take the game to them. They don't have the players to quicken up and create. There's no 10, there's no players who can really open up a defence like that. The reason that Aberdeen did not win that, nor did St Johnson not deserve their point, wasn't the referee. And I don't want to go into refereeing again. <laughs> but did have you seen the uh, instant at the end of the game between the yeah, Aberdeen and Kilmarnock? Yeah, Stephen. It's a penalty. Right at the end of the game, mm. he- he gets clipped and it's inside the box. I mean, I know it's close, but it's inside that. I, and again, watched, we were, yeah, going, clear, down clear that, contact, we were yeah. going down that hole again of, right, well, we could have changed the game, it's a refereeing decision, but yeah, we can't ignore it. Do you know the thing as well, right? So I don't think there's a single person watching that game in the stadium or on the pitch who doesn't think that's a penalty. So GMS cuts in from the right wing on his left foot, he's driving. When he does that, he's fast. A single touch will take him Did down. That a few times. And the guy goes in from behind and he trips him. It's a clear penalty. You cannot get a more clear penalty. Colin is standing five yards away. Mm. He can see it. What is he seeing? <laughs> What's playing? It's like itchy and scratchy cartoons going in his head. He can see it in front of him and he's going, no, oh, it's no. Well, what? what? <laughs> is he thinking too long? Is he taking too long to think about it? Because it, it has it, wound it, me up so much. For a reputation <laughs> where players, you know, like Gary McKay Stephen, who's so light on his feet, so quick as well, that he thinks, oh, you're going down too easily there. I but don't know if that's you, an aspect I know, but you, you know you're running at pace, right? And then you get clipped. You go, I mean, you, you go down, yeah. right? So I think it's oh, maybe because he's an agile player as well. Maybe he goes down and he thinks, oh, you're, you're kind of over-egging that. But he's not a player that does that very no. often. I mean, do you think that's a foul, right? If you're running fast and someone clips you and takes you down, it's a foul, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, good, yeah. Uh, okay, so, so Aberdeen. What possible sh- way so, is it not so, a penalty? I don't know. And they didn't. Just, like, I think and the listen, point's probably fair, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But that's I a penalty, to... and that would have saved it. And if uh, if Eamon Brophy hadn't thrown himself to the ground and pulled Devlin, it would have been a red card, and the result against Kilmarnock could have been different. 
so many things. That's two massive decisions that could well affect. Because Aberdeen are now sitting well off it. They're in the bottom half. Yeah, I know. The bubble's burst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about what about St Johnston? They do have a potency now that will cause team problems. Yeah, I'm excited to see what Tony Watt does. Yeah. In the long term, I think. I think maybe he's found his level now. Almost mm-hmm. there's been a few years of struggling here, there, abroad, up and down, south of the border, etc. But no, I think he's he's kind of got off the mark quite early on. He's he's found it in his strides. And St John's, I mean, it's also a team that we see, oh yeah, you know, they're punched above their weight. It's the same old story with them. Uh, but th- this season, yeah, they look kind of back to it again. And yeah, they're around the kind of midway point just now. But let's see how long that kind of goes. To be honest, they could end up being around mid-table all mm-hmm, season, mm-hmm. which I don't think would surprise too many people. St Mirren nil, Celtic nil, Oliver and Cham, the hero against Rangers, was the villain on Friday night. Two yellow cards in the first half. I think we can all agree that was probably a deserved sending off. Yeah, the only controversy I've seen of it is um, slow motion replays showing that when he dives into the second tackle, which is on the touchline mm-hmm. uh, with the guys trying to clear it, he's trying to block the ball so you can see why he's doing it. But he's going in fast and it looks kind of, not aggressive, but he's put a lot of uh, momentum into it and he catches his heel. Yep. That's kind of it. But I, I, I think it's a second yellow. I, th- I think what went against in Cham was he was putting in a lot of tackles in the game. You know what? He wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't hiding. As well. He yeah. wasn't hiding from the game. That's for sure. I don't think that handball was a deliberate handball. I think he's he, the movement of his body. I don't think he deliberately went to try and okay. um, deviate the change of the ball. But he was constantly in the referee's mind, and that was, I think, as much as there's no contact. It's it's a dangerous tackle. There was a tiny bit of contact, and I would also, but I understand. I'm 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 trying to I'm really trying to play both sides. Um, there was the tackle um, from Ayer on I can't remember the St Mirren player, very similar to Oliver and Cham's second yellow. Oh yeah, I, and there was there was no cards. Not even a free kick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we should really kind of um, hail the performance of St Mirren and. You've got to give credit to to Oren Kearney. That was his first game in charge for St Mirren. But he's also, you know, the club's seventh permanent manager in four years. So a huge difference in the way they were playing. Yeah, they were very organised. They played football. They passed it. They attacked well. They were good in transition. Mm-hmm. Celtic were giving the ball away a lot. Was one thing. So they were they were sitting back deep. The striker was um, playing in midfield a bit like a four six zero, like a you know a Levine Scotland kind of formation. Mm-hmm. But when they broke, they broke quickly and they had designated players who were going and they were making chances. Now, I would say, I want to put it down to the Irish magician that Oren Kearney brought in. A guy called Rod Hogg. And he performed to the squad um, in an effort yeah, to boost us. That's cl- I love we ma- yeah. like things. Like when, um, I remember when Ronnie Dyla came into Scottish football and everyone was laughing because when he was in Norway, he said if they'd won the league, he would um, strip uh, and run around the stadium half naked, stuff like that. It's like it's it's morale boosting. Good for like a new team that's you know the the management's coming in. It's, it's changed. They're still getting to know each other. They're mm-hmm. trying to build that team spirit for going into a new league as well this season. I think it's great for morale. Mm-hmm. You get that sense of humour between everyone. You get everyone becomes closer off yeah. the pitch. It's only going to help. It's and not going to do anything wrong. Do you know what? Do you know what Rod Hogg, the magician's first trick was? Oh God! To make Alan Stubbs' managerial career disappear. Oh, that was at- also though. This is nothing I heard about him though. Uh, Rod Hogg. He, uh, he had a brother who didn't make it in football. Oh really? Yeah, his name was Ball. <coughs> Anton Ferdinand. That's a solid joke. Anton Ferdinand signed for St Mirren. How That's good. You? That's good. That's interesting. Yeah, do you know somebody like <laughs> Anton Ferdinand will like that? <laughs> 
Hey, he was all right, Anton Ferdinand. Uh, I liked that they kept it secret till the end. Good signing. I guess yeah, it's one of those. I think. Well, it's one of those because you can't remember if he actually if he really is any good any, anymore. He's just a competent defender signing for some minutes. It's had a well, it's, a, it's, it's, it's behind him. He's a player who's played. That, at yeah. a, he's a player who's played at a good level. He's went for a bit of money to a couple of different clubs, but I would just have a bit of reservation about it because I know Stephen Colker came up to Dundee. Um, you know some of these ex. Premier League players. Let's just wait and see. Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if he has, you know, injury problems, and that's why uh, maybe some clubs wouldn't want to um, bring him along. But hey, it's it's good. It's good for St. Mirren. Good, yeah. Um, Celtic, by the way, uh, that's two drop points, which is important. But they're going to be just fine. Don't worry, Celtic fans. You're okay. Yeah, you think they'll come back? They'll yeah. win the title. Confident. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> L- 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 Can L- I be the romantic one here yeah. and say no? Hearts are going to win it. <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. No, I realistically, Celtic will. They'll 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 get back on what, the. What do you think? Again. What do you think that um, how they're going to get in on Europe? So they play Rosenberg on on Thursday. Um, a team they're no they, strangers they, to. Yeah, yeah, they, they they beat them in the Champions League qualifiers um, this season. I think it will be more of the same, but I think up against Leipzig and. Um, and Salzburg will be very difficult. It feels almost like this campaign for them might actually be a bit of a hassle when things aren't kind of going the right way for mm-hmm. them domestically. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's no secret that they want the Champions League over the Europa League and it is a kind of damp squib to an extent when they get into that instead of the Champions League. And it's almost like, well, from an outside perspective, everyone else is like, yeah, great, we've got two Scottish teams in the Europa League, we're all enjoying it. But from a Celtic perspective, they might just be like, they want to just kind of sort out the domestic side. Ten in a row row is more important to Celtic fans than, than, um, you know, a run in the Europa League. Are they going to be good enough? I I think it will be difficult. Um, I was looking at it, you know, Salzburg got to the semi-finals last season um, and Leipzig got to the quarter-finals last season. So... (sighs) It's it's not it's not a cakewalk that's for sure. No, and um, and Chan will have to be better behaved if he is to mm. take the point. He's their best player, I think, by far. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next Monday after the top of the table clash between Hearts and Livingston. We'll see you then. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and make sure you check out our other football podcasts, The Totally Football League Show with Caroline Barker and, of course, The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Thank you.